Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible is constantly telling us to remember. It's right there in the Ten Commandments, Third Commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. When God brings his people out of Egypt into the promised land, he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Remember that I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. So all throughout the scriptures, in the book of Psalms, if you look just in the book of Psalms, it's there again and again and again. For instance, Psalm 105 says, remember the wondrous works that God has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Remember, remember, remember. And of course, that theme really culminates in the New Testament on the night when Jesus was betrayed at the Last Supper, when he gave us this gift of the Eucharist, and he said to his fellow disciples, he said to them, do this in what? Remembrance of me. Remember, remember, remember. Which makes the theme that came out in today's texts kind of surprising. We heard it there in Isaiah. Isaiah, or God says through Isaiah, remember not the former things of old. Which kind of makes me think of what kids used to do when I was in middle school. Remember, not. Or even Paul. Paul says it even more straightforwardly. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is past. I strain to what is ahead. Remember is constantly encouraged in the scriptures, but here we're told to remember not, even to forget. Why would there be this seemingly contradictory command here? What could be the value of forgetful faith? Well, to explore that question, I want to go to Paul, or as he was originally known as, Saul, and some of his own autobiography. We heard a reading from Philippians chapter 3, and right before that section, Paul gives some of his autobiography, some of his background. See, Saul, before he ever became Paul, had one goal. He had one goal, which was to attain to the resurrection of the dead. And you might think, well, resurrection, that's a, that's a Christian theme. That's not a Jewish theme, right? Why would Saul, the Jew, care at all about resurrection? But in fact, that's there in the Old Testament already. For God's Old Testament people, resurrection already was the goal. This is a theme that runs throughout the scriptures and not just in the New Testament. And so Saul, as a faithful, devoted, committed Jew, had this goal, the resurrection. So how is he going to reach that goal? Well, that's why he sought to kind of pile up his spiritual portfolio. And he talks about this. He says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. And, you know, he mentions those things and you might be thinking, well, what does that even mean? Why is that a good thing of the tribe of Benjamin? But what Paul is expressing, what Saul is expressing, really, is that he had uh, this great credentials, that he came from good stock, right? And he goes on to say, as to the law, I was a Pharisee, which was actually regarded as a good thing. He says, as to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. As to zeal, I was persecuting the church. All of these things are like Paul listing off his religious assets, if you will. And he's saying, for all of these reasons, I felt like I was worthy and deserved to attain to the resurrection of the dead. That was his goal. And so his means was padding that spiritual portfolio. 
But then something happened to the guy we used to call Saul. You might remember that story. One day he's on his donkey heading up to Damascus and boom, he gets a vision of the resurrected, risen Christ Jesus. Jesus knocks him off the donkey and says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul gets struck blind and through that process, finally, he comes to see. Something like scales fall from his eyes. He's able to see again physically, but more importantly, he's able to see spiritually that the goal that he had been pursuing, the resurrection, has already been realized in this one person, no mere person, Jesus Christ. And so then Saul, now Paul, has to go about reevaluating everything he knows, everything that he thinks he knows or thought that he knew. He needs to look at it again now through these cross-shaped lens and through the lens of the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He realizes, oh, wait a second, wait a second. I'm not quite as wealthy spiritually as I thought. God does kind of a divine audit on our friend Paul. And Paul realizes that all of the things that he thought were assets, all of those things that he padded his spiritual portfolio with, it turns out that they're liabilities. He said, whatever I had as gain, now I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. And he goes even further than that. He says that it's rubbish. And every preacher is going to be sure to point out to you that the Greek word there is skubala which is perhaps better translated as dog doo-doo. <laughs> this is how he regards all of those works, all of that spiritual portfolio he had. Now those are liabilities. It's worthless. All of which leads Paul to this painful realization. See, his goal never changed. His goal of reaching the resurrection of the dead. That didn't change. What changed is the realization that it can only come through Christ. And so Paul has to face up to, fact, to the fact that what's hindering him from this goal, what's keeping him from reaching that destination, is his past. His past. All of those good deeds that he had been piling up are the things that were pulling him back. And so he says in today's reading, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Paul comes to recognize that so long as he had that pride in his past feats, he didn't have the humility to receive from God in faith. That so long as he was padding that portfolio, he could not come before the Lord humbly to receive from him. And look, this is how it is for you and me as well. When we come before the Lord, we do not come with full hands saying, Here, Lord, look at my resume here. Look at the portfolio that I have added up. No. We don't come to him and say, hey, I'm a pretty good investment here. I think you can see that I have been doing a lot of good around the community and my family. You can tell, God, I'm one that you can count on. So you're going to want to go ahead and let me in and, and make me part of the resurrection of the dead. No, absolutely not. 
It's those pride over the, uh, the past feats, that spiritual pride that keeps us from being able to receive from God. It's only when we recognize the worthlessness of our works that we can receive the pricelessness of God's grace. See, that's how it ought to be. Jesus himself said, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who have nothing to offer to God, those who have nothing to give. And so we need to forget those past feats. But not only that, See, there's a flip side to that coin of not just pride for past feats, but it can also be despair for past faults. To become so hung up on our sins that we have committed and that we do commit that we're not able to see the mercy of our Savior. To that also, the call comes to us, forget Remember not, because God does not remember your sins against you. There's an author by the name of Brennan Manning. He tells a story many years back, out west somewhere. There was a woman who had believed that she'd been having visions of Jesus. And so she calls her pastor and she tells him this. Pastor, I'm having these visions of the Lord. And the pastor is a little bit skeptical, right? You're going to tell me you're seeing the Virgin Mary and a piece of toast also? And so he, um, being a little bit skeptical, but he doesn't want to insult her, he comes up with a test. He says, okay, okay. Um, this is what I want you to do. You get another one of these visions of the Lord. Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask him a question. She says, okay, okay, what, what's the question? He says, I want you to ask Jesus what sins I confessed to him in my last time of prayer. And this poor lady is just scandalized by this. She said, Pastor, did I hear you right? You want me to ask Jesus what sins you committed? He says, that's right. I want you to ask him that next time you have a vision of the Lord. She says, okay. So a couple weeks pass. He gets a phone call. And it's the woman. And she says, Pastor, I've had another vision. And he says, okay, well, what happened? And she says, you need to come over right away. He says, okay. Now he's starting to get a little bit nervous. <laughs> so he hurries over, comes to, comes to her house, and she meets him at the door, brings him in, sits down. And she says, Pastor, I had another vision. He says, okay, yes. Did you ask that question? She says, yes, I asked the question that you told me to ask. You know, kind of gets onto the edge of his seat and he's looking at her. Okay, what did Jesus say? What, what were the sins that I confessed to him? And the woman takes her pastor's hand and she says, Pastor, these are his exact words. I can't remember. That's what Jesus said. I can't remember. I've had people say to me many times over the years, Pastor, I can forgive as best as I can forgive, but I can't forget. Part of our human frailty 
we struggle to forget the sins of others. And then we think, well, God must be like that too. He puts up with me. He forgives me. But each time when I come back to him, he says, oh, you again. Really? That, that sin? <laughs> okay, I'm God. I guess I'll forgive you. We have this sense, in other words, that God might forgive me, but he does not forget those sins. That he's still piling it up, holding it against me until one day maybe the dam is just going to break. There will be one last straw that breaks the camel's back and he'll say, enough with you already. I don't want to have anything to do with you. But listen here. Hear me now, friends. That is not the case. God forgives and he forgets. It says in the book of Hebrews, I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. God has forgotten as he has forgiven. He does not hold your sins against you. Indeed, he cannot even remember them. Don't degrade what Christ has done for you. Don't think that there is so much weakness in the cross and in the empty tomb that your sins are still being held against you. When Jesus said, it is finished, there was no asterisk or fine print. Can I get an amen? It is finished. Your sins are forgiven and forgotten. Believe it. And when we believe it, when we have this mindset of, of forgetful faith, it changes the way that we live. We heard it in Paul in the, in the last part of that reading where suddenly Paul kind of turns into the coach. And he's, he's kind of coaching us and he's saying, so this thing I do, I've got my goal up ahead of me of the resurrection. One thing I do now, forgetting what is past, I strain toward what is ahead. He's encouraging us, spurring us on, saying, okay, leave those things behind. Those failures, those sins, they don't define you anymore. The things that you did and the things that were done to you, that's not who you are. Who you are now is a forgiven, baptized, redeemed child of God. Go forward in that confidence. Humor me for a minute to bring up some MSU basketball. I know the wound is still fresh. But I, I read a beautiful story this week going back to last week's game against Duke. And in the last minute, Spartans are down by a point, and Tom Izzo calls a timeout. And they get into the huddle, and Kenny Goins, the, the senior forward from Troy, he had missed several defensive uh, assignments. He had been breaking shots. He'd been getting blocked by that giant of a man, Zion Williamson. Basically, he'd been messing up royally and had been kind of down on himself and wondering if he had what it takes. But Izzo takes him aside, and his message to him is this, look, yes, you have messed up, but it is in the past, and we have still got a game to win. And if you watch that game, you know what the rest is history. He hit that shot. They won the game. It didn't work out last night, but that's okay. <laughs> But see, in the life of faith, you need to be forgetful in this respect because you will fail, you will fall again and again and again. There will not come a day where you think, I don't need God's mercy anymore, where I have gotten beyond that. We always do. We always come before him with empty hands, with no works of our own. 
then, forgiven, freed, redeemed, we press on. Not to pad our spiritual portfolio before God. He doesn't need your works. But you know who does? Your neighbor. Others need those acts of love and service. So don't dwell on that past, whether it be uh, pride over your past feats or despair over your past faults. You are forgiven. Your sin is forgotten. Never forget it. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing.